me to. Hello, uh, we're here today uh, at the many the New Ridge Brewery here in beautiful downtown Roxborough, and I'd like to tell you that this is an experiment that we are doing here. We are broadcasting live. Instead of the uh, secret corridors of other places in either, well, I, we won't say, but it's near the creamery, and we'll go from there. Uh, but we do have a special guest here at Money Talks and Bullshit Walks, and his name is Lou Egger. And uh, Joe and I have known Lou for a long time. In fact, I've probably known Lou for 50 years and Joe probably for around 30. Uh, but I haven't seen Lou in a while. Uh, and the last time I really saw him, we were arguing over who committed a foul on a jump shot. Uh, and we're still arguing about that. But I, I Tell him how you retired from basketball. He, he ran in. He ran me into retirement <laughs> over a, a, a missed jump shot. And... I don't know why Lou retired, but I retired when I decided that playing pickup basketball, my best play was to play defense, which is never a good idea, and I couldn't play defense, so I'm retired. <laughs> so Lou, Lou is a union organizer and has been involved for a long time in union uh, union uh, activism and, and organizing. So Lou was uh, here to talk about unions, and he's here to talk about how things uh, have evolved in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a very old union town and a very powerful uh, union town in terms of elections and organizing for elections. And they do a lot of different things. They organize, uh, they raise funds, and they are uh, active every, every election. So Lou's going to tell us uh, in his own way, in his own fashion, and once you hear Lou, you will we'll appreciate uh, how Lou comes to uh, these thoughts. So when, when Lou uh, talks to you, he will, I'm sure, name drop uh, many union uh, players that have uh, been with the city or been union heads of unions throughout his period of time. So Lou has really have, uh, as I said, definitive ideas of how unions work and how they uh, get voters out and how they get money for candidates. So as you can hear, we have a lot of activity here at the uh, brewery including youngsters. Uh, everybody's younger than Joe and I. So we're, we're uh, see, we're, we're, Joe, Joe's trying to order a beer here at the, here at the, uh, no, brewery. And, and uh, so when, when Lou comes to us uh, from, he's coming to us live from some Zoom location that uh, he's kept secret from both Joe and I for obvious reasons, mainly because he doesn't want to argue with me about missed jump shots and fouls and who's got next. So with, without further ado, I give you Lou Egger and Union Organizing. 
Well, maybe he did, and he's just, uh, maybe he did. He's just not that bright. Is the only one we didn't speak of. And in doing some work on this, this uh, podcast, a lot, a lot, a lot of things uh, that we don't necessarily think about happened during uh, the good administration, and we'll just leave out, move for a second. Where did he come down with the unions? Well, it, it's funny. Um, Nick DiPiro, who I don't know if you remember that name, <coughs> was headed at the Clothing Workers of America, Amalgamated Clothing Workers. And Nick DiPiro at the time was one of the most powerful union guys in the city. And his kids are both committee men in our, our ward. And, you know, Nick was a very powerful union guy. And Nick was the guy that really made, you know, labor work, you know, was lab, main, um, Wilson Good's main labor liaison. Um, and it's also funny that he was part of the deal that made Bob Brady set a city committee between him and Lucian, because that was that was where it was breaking down. I wasn't. I don't even think I was a committeeman. Just to be clear, Lucian is Lucian Blackwell, who's passed. Yes, Lucian Blackwell, yes. So, go, go, go. who, by the way, was a union leader, was a union leader on the docks. Blackwell. Yeah. yeah. Who was the better politician, him or Jane? That's a close one. They're both pretty good. I'm very close to Janie. Um, uh, you know, and I see Janie all the time. But, uh, you know, they're pretty good. They were pretty good. So, so you would, so between, because good comes after green. And so uh, I think it's fair to say that the, uh, the unions were pretty sour uh about bill green uh when good comes in uh is there some uh, trepidation as to how green uh, how good's going to go or did you have a feeling that he was going to be uh more union oriented you know back back then there were no, nobody would run for mayor without labor backing i mean that was the most important backing you could have and you know? I think that, that leads me sort of to the next question, which is when people uh, who are not in the know, so to speak, and they just watch TV or read the paper, and they hear uh, the pow powerful union blank uh, is backing uh, him or her, what does that mean? Uh, what does that translate into besides Union A is backing uh, Mr. B uh, for for the uh, for governor, whatever. What what does that translate into? Well, first of all, trans. What's the name of the show again? Money talks bullshit. There you go. First of all, transfers into money. I mean, the amount of money that Tom Wolf got from labor unions is, is astounding. You know, I mean, they were writing a hundred thousand dollar checks. Um, and, uh, so, so it, it does. Uh, I guess cash is the top thing, or contributions. Right. But what about? Uh, well, it brings members you. of are, are are members of labor. Are they on the street on election day? Well, they're on the street on election day, they're, you know, they're they're okay. They're not great, but you know, they they do. That. But they're also on doors, knocking on doors the weeks before election day. The the you know. Um, I mean, I know that our general membership meeting, when Tom Wolf or Bob Casey come, it's always the November, it's a Sunday before the election. Uh, there's a 1,500 Pennsylvania voters in there. That's right. a lot of people right there, you know, right. that, that, that he can come 
and, and talk to him in one room. And, and when he comes and talks to him, those 1,500 voters standing, and they, he's standing next to the business manager, that's worth votes. That's really yeah. worth votes, you know, whether it's Seamus or Danny McCaffrey or Bob, Bob Casey or uh, Tom Wolf or anybody. Um, you know, Bob Brady always introduces them at the meeting and, and, and the business manager always says, this is our guy and we really got to help him. And that's, you know, that translates to 1,500 votes right there for, you know, half an hour walking in a room and out. Josh Shapiro always shows up. Um, you know, and, and that's where it's worth coming to. Uh, to change the subject a little bit, uh, we talked about it like for nine seconds, but the, there's a perception out there that the unions are sort of dissipating uh, or at least disappearing from, uh, nor from everybody's eyesight. But I think you're, you're telling me that that may be, but that's not true. So uh, to, to jump onto that, where do you see the need for more unionization, as I would say, uh, in, the, in, in the city? Do you, what do you see as upcoming uh, situations where unions are going to be able to organize to get more? Well, I mean, let's put it under a different labor board, there'd be uh, Lyft and Uber drivers. Right. Taxi cab drivers, people that do uh, at FedEx. Well, FedEx is a different issue in Amazon because of the way the law is written. Um, but there's those kind of people. There's retail workers if retail ever comes back. You know, there's a right. lot of, you know, hotels that can be organized. There's still some, you know, and little housing contractors that are non-union using non-documented people. Um, you know, there's uh, the restaurant workers, you know, could be organized. There's a lot of people who aren't organized who look how bad they're doing now. None of them have any money coming in at all. None of them have any benefits. But they're, they're, there's, there's room for organizing. Um, there's what always about, room for organizing. What about um, what is being called the gig economy? Do you see that as, as a place where unions are going to step in or, or are the, those people just out there for themselves and they don't? Well, I think, I think that, look, the unions have the highest approval rating of any age ranges in, with millennials. 74, 76% of millennials have a high opinion of unions. And that's who the gig economy workers are. Now, it's hard to, it's hard to organize them because they work, you know, they don't work in a central place. But right now, the law makes it almost impossible to organize them. But I mean, if you could get enough of them, and they could just withhold their labor and 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 make the um, and and make the employers join an employer organization and set the wages and benefits. Look, I'm 66. That's not going to happen in my lifetime. That's a five to ten year plan, and you got to have somebody to do it. But it certainly wouldn't be a bad idea. Like if you said, all right, everybody you know is working in your house can join the Creative Writers Union. And then go to, you know, make everybody join it, which is how unions were first organized. You organize right. the people, then you organize the companies and say, we're withholding our labor until everybody uh, gets health benefits. Go put yourself in an employer organization and pay health benefits. So what are we here, Joe? Well, we were talking about, uh, or you were, you were talking about Lyft and, and Uber. Uh, you said something that they, they're going to have a hard time because the way the law is written. How is the law written? Well, the law changes every four years. And right now, the Trump Labor Board has gutted the, um, the way 
non-traditional people can organize, gig workers, subcontractors, joint employers. You know, the Obama board had, if you worked at McDonald's uh, as a franchisee, McDonald's was responsible. Um, uh, you know what I mean? They were, you were one joint employer. Now the Trump board has overturned that. So a lot of things that you could be, have done under the board, labor board, you can't do with the new, with the new Trump board. On the other hand, if you can organize the people, you don't need the labor board. If you can organize the people and, 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 and um, put pressure on them. But years ago, there was a case where the HMO doctors of, I think it was the Cooper system or one of the systems in New Jersey tried to organize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, Jim Katz was the lawyer. The problem is that if you do that, you run into antitrust violations because they can say your 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 uh, employee, you know, your business entities combining together to set prices. And you mean the uh, doctors don't set prices? Well, no, Blue Cross sets prices. <laughs> and insurance companies, right? And Medicare and Medicaid companies set prices, but they can do it, but you can't. You know, doctors you know, could not join together and do that. Anyway. So, so you 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 said that that's not going to happen for five or ten years. Uh, if it well, happens. no, it's a five or ten year investment to get it to to work. Right. You know. Um, so when we talk about uh, politics, uh, are there specific places, uh, or I guess we can turn turn into wards? where you would identify one word as being strong, uh, strongly labor, and another one being, well, they're not that good, and others that are sort of in the middle. Uh, and they're broken up by neighbors, neighborhoods. So let's just start with the, with the 21st, since that's your ward. Well, I got to tell you, in our ward, I got to think that over half the committee people are either union members or spouses of union members. Um, you think, Joe? It seems well represented, yeah. And, and all sorts of union members, you know, teachers, construction workers, uh, city workers, firefighters, you know, retired firefighters, phone co a couple of phone company guys, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we're, we're pretty strong labor ward. Now, I think our ward is a lot more pro-labor than our constituents because the 21st ward has become, has gone from a working class ward to a, the fourth wealthiest ward in the city but we still i mean we still have certain rules in our ward meeting you can't work you can't bring literature in it is printed non-union um you know that if you're endorsed by the afl-cio you get you know you get a little more uh, rhythm in whether you're going to be endorsed by the ward um you know we don't have anybody we won't support any uh, you know out anti-union candidates people like that you know anybody wants to get rid of city pension or open up you know, wages, you know, or get rid of Davis Bay, you know, prevailing wage or anything like that. We will not, um, we will never be endorsed as long as I'm the war leader. Uh, so let, let's move uh, to a, an extreme, probably the richest ward, which is where I grew up in the eighth ward. How would you describe their relations uh, with, with labor? Well, I think that they, you know, um, I think that there's probably a lot of retired school teachers in that ward still. You know, there's old Jewish ladies in the high rises. A lot of them used right. to be school teachers. Right. Uh, so I think that they're probably very pro-education, but you know, they like Nutter more than they like a union guy, and they like you know, they don't. 
you know, and, and as I hear from all the time, well, unions were good when, or my, you know, every, every cop has ever given me a hard time on a picket line. Who's always had a father who was a union member, you know, right. and, and I, I don't think they're anti-labor, but they're not, you know, they're not as pro-labor as, as I would like. And, and that's a strange word anyway, you know. <laughs> that's that 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 word has changed a lot in my lifetime as well but that's a whole nother uh, conversation so uh what about the the uh the wards let's just say uh the 50th or the 10th which are obviously that's uh the, the tasco world up here in the northwest uh how would you describe their relationship well, i mean i don't I don't really know. I mean, I knew Edgar and I knew Dwight, but they were very pro-union. But and Sherelle's husband, you know, was a member of our local. Sherelle's very pro-union, but it's a lot of them are city workers, a lot of them are postal workers, right? Uh, and 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 that you know you know and and look, uh, when they talk about getting rid of the post office, they got to remember that that the post office was a real path to the black middle class. You know, in America, you know, I remember saying there's always work in the post office. That's right. <laughs> From after, what was the name of the movie? Um, well, I'm sure I'll think of it, but it'll be after this. After this show. But, you know, and, and, and those kind of jobs, you know, those kind of unionized jobs in the federal government and the city and the post office and teachers and, 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 and you know, hard, you know, hard working union jobs. We're the path to the black middle class. And right. that's why I think in the 50th, you see, and there's a lot of teachers still live in the 50th, you know? Um, and so I think that and a lot of construction workers live in the 50th. And so I think that uh, like, especially the 50th, I don't know the 10th as well as I know the 50th because I grew up in the 50th and, right. and I'm still very friendly with Sherelle. Um, you get- just, just to be clear for our people, you're referring to Sherelle Parker. Sherelle Parker. Um, you know, she's, you know, she's very pro-union. Um, I don't know Isabella Fitzgerald as well as I knew Edgar. Uh, right. Albert. Um, but, you know, I think that, that, that uh, you know, that it's, it's, it's very pro-union, you know. I mean, you know, African-Americans have done very well in the labor union. In fact, before the deindustrialization of America, uh, one out of every four union members in America was black and and Detroit had the largest percentage of black home ownership in America. So, I mean, that's the demographic of the 50th war. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you get a lot of pro-union um, feeling up there. So uh, I guess the, the, the next uh, area I, I would, would uh, bring up, uh, and we've never talked about it really in any length or any, to any degree, and that would be the Northeast. Uh, you got, I guess, the one side of the boulevard and the other side of the boulevard, but I don't know if that's still true, where, where one would be more ethnic and the other would be more uh, Jewish. I don't know if that's still true. I, don't know. I, I think that, the, I think that the, the Northeast has become a lot more racially diverse than it was. It's okay. a large Latino population up there. I mean, you that's, know, the, so, that's like Hunting Park. Or the I, even, even Oxford Circle. Further up, further you know, up. Oxford Circle and Lawndale, Lawn, Lawncrest, Lawndale, you know, places like that. There, there's large, large Latino population up there, um, and and you know, uh, you know, large Latino population works at the shipyard, and they're good union members. Like you know, we hope everybody is. Um, the north, you know, the far northeast. I don't understand them. You know, you got to ask somebody else about them. They just seem like they're like 
two drunks in a bar. If they can't find somebody else to fight, they fight each other. Lou, do you remember uh, back in the 80s when Northeast wanted to secede from Philadelphia? You better let them. Yeah. <laughs> better let them. That was Liberty, hard to say. Wasn't, it, wasn't that Liberty County? Is that Liberty what they County, call yep. Liberty County. We should have let them go. And you know what? If the South wants us to secede again, let them go. You know, they can have their Dixie Cups, you know. Uh, the well, only thing we lose is Willie Nelson. Now, I guess I, I said it was the last, but I, I think we should talk a little bit about South Philly because that demographic has changed uh, in an incredible way. I, do you know the 30th Ward, which is the ward right around Graduate Hospital? It's called the Graduate Area now. Is that what it's called? Yes. Anyway. Um, Neighborhood, graduate neighborhood. It used to be called Taney in the Pocket. I know. I grew up around there. It used to be called Taney in the Pocket. And and as Joe knows, you know at Branch Cosity. And you know Branch. Oh, right? I know Branch. Yeah. He tells a story. He went there to play softball back in the 60s or 70s, and they had a black guy on their team. They wouldn't let him on the field. That's right. You know? Uh, but that, that, that's changed. Well, the neighborhoods. Well, neighborhoods. Like down in Grace Ferry, it's largely African American, and right. up around you know Bainbridge and South in that area, and you know Grace Ferry's turning into into uh, gentrifying quickly. Mm -hmm. And Grace and the Pocket and Taney are just you know completely. Yeah, they, they don't exist anymore. Between 2000 and 2010, that ward went from 10% white to 10% black in 10 years. And, but has there have the, and obviously the the, uh, the financial end uh, changed dramatically too. But how do you what what has there been or what's your view of their union uh, positions down there? Do you think you know they're young they're young you know people with a lot of money and and I don't I don't get the feeling that they're very pro union. Okay, uh, but I don't know you know I, I don't I don't go you know what do I, what's there I need to go to. You know, I don't go. I mean, I used to have friends in Grace Ferry, but they all moved out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, there in Point Breeze, there's been a, a lot of confrontation. Um, was any of that, uh, because there's a lot of housing that's been built, was, was there any uh, confrontation because there were union or non-union? Well, I mean, we've always had problems with the housing contractors, and we chase them all the time, and they're very big down there. Um, but, you know, uh, there's that one guy in that neighborhood that's always fighting with Kenyatta Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. Or he, uh, or he finds He's always fighting with Kenyatta Johnson, and they're always fighting with each other. And, and you know, I like, you know, Kenyatta's a good guy to us, good union guy when we need help. But, but Ori Fibus, you know, he'll build unions sometimes. We, you know, we got to chase him around. But, you know, uh, you know, a lot of these places, I mean, a lot of these places in the city, until my kid played soccer, I'd never been in my life. You know, I ran the uh, ward election in the 36th, and there were almost fist fights there because the Ori oh, had paid committee people to join. In fact, there were not almost fist fights, there were fist fights. Probably. Uh, um, but a lot of it was, you know, mama drama, you know, they two two women over. But then, then the Ori Fibers people almost got in a fight with the Kenyatta Johnson people, and it was just a disaster. Well, that that had more to do with uh, with political differences that more yes. than, than than union differences. No, Maybe I'm right. wrong. You're right. No, it's right. But you know, you got to realize down there the other fight is PES. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of union jobs. A lot of good jobs on there disappeared. But on the other hand, there's nobody wants to breathe that that air. 
I don't blame them. I don't blame either side on that. I mean, I wouldn't want to live next to PES, but if I was working there, I mean, I got a good friend of mine's husband's disabled out of there, and, you know, he just lost his benefits when they closed. Uh, yeah, well, it doesn't look like they're going to uh, open that up, uh, at least not as, as what they were. No, they're going to tear it down. Now, for us, that's a lot of work. For, the, for like, on my union, that's a ton of work tearing that place down. Oh, yeah, and you got also the environmental stuff on that. We'll have people digging in that ground for a long time. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Uh, so were there, uh, in your view, uh, will there be sort of a co collision between the environmentalists and your union? No, because they both want to, you know, we want to tear it down and they want to see it torn down. Okay. But so I also feel there's a larger. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's because we agree on it. I just think that we both have the same interest. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that lost their jobs there. And we can't afford to lose a thousand manufacturing jobs in Philadelphia. Good family sustaining jobs. Lou, I'm curious about the, um, if you have any memories about the very famous labor battle in 1987 down in South Philly. Horrible labor battle, huge labor battle. Made the front pages for a long time. And then they recruited these scab workers to come in there. They put, wrapped them around in a green uniform and a helmet <laughs> and had them parade them out there and ask those high school kids to play football. Well, I, you know, Buddy, one thing Buddy told the team, everybody come, this, he's talking about the Eagles, if anybody knows. Uh, yeah. The NFLPA strike. The audience, our astute audience. And, and I used to have Alan, I used to have Alan Page's shirt, if you want to know the truth. His NFLPA, no freedom, no football, and I lost it. So in fact, I think I left it at the gym after basketball, never saw it again. But he gave it to a friend of mine who gave it to me. Alan Page is now the attorney general of Minnesota and was a very well-known union leader and, and a Hall of Fame football player and the Purple People Eaters, the Vikings. But um, I, I do know that Buddy told that, – that was the Reggie White strike, right? Reggie yes. White was the main mouthpiece. And Reggie White, I will tell you this, Reggie White was a good union guy, man. When we had organizing drives, he would come and talk to the workers. Now, and tell them how good the union was. Now, the problem was he also told them how good Jesus was most of the time and not much about the union. But he was all right. Was that the strike? There were two strikes, right? There was one where Roman Gabriel crossed the line and then set the record for getting sacked the most times. Yeah, well, no, that was back, I think, in the, in the late 60s or yeah. early 70s. But anyway, so Buddy told the players, Buddy told the players, he said, I don't care what you do, everybody stays in or every, everybody comes in or everybody goes out. And When you say Buddy, you mean Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan, the coach of the Eagles at the time. And, and everybody stayed in and everybody, you know, everybody stayed out because I think they didn't want to cross Reggie White, which I don't blame him. You know, <laughs> right. but they all stayed out there on the strike. And I remember, I still remember the picture of Tom Gronin and all these guys trying to turn over the Eagles bus. But you got to remember, one of the reasons we hate the stinking Cowboys is because when we went in, the scab players went in, Tom Landry ran up the, the team to score on us. That's and, right. you, and remember the revenge game yeah. when we came back with our players and Donovan, was it, no, Randall. Randall. Randall Make the kneel down and threw the touchdown pass to rub it in, mm -hmm. you know, which, which cemented Buddy Ryan in the lure of Philadelphia. And so it was a terrible coach, but never lost to the Cowboys. Yeah. But the Cowboys were all scabs. Yeah, great defense. Yeah. And the Cowboys were all scabs. And the Eagles were all uh, good union guys and didn't go in. And that was one of the <clears> – <throat> It was one of the reasons we still hate the Cowboys. 
Well, There's a lot of them, but that's one. There's a lot of them, yeah, but that's a good one. What, what, um, what caused the strike, the, 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 the NFL Players Association, to go out? I think it was revenue sharing. I think they wanted a piece of the pie. As I recall, I mean, God, you know, another time we're talking 40 years ago. But it um, sounds like it's money talks and bullshit walks. Yeah, I mean, and, look, a lot. And, and they were, you know, they wanted a, they wanted a revenue sharing. They wanted some safety and health things. They wanted they wanted a pension, you know. Um, one of the anomalies in Pennsylvania law is if you're hurt as a football player, you don't get workers' comp. Uh, they took all the professional athletes out of it, and the same with jockeys, um, you know, except in Pennsylvania and New York, jockeys, if they're hurt on the job, do not get workers' compensation. In California and New York, they don't get workers' compensation. Is, is that uh, by decision or is that written into the law? Written into the law when they changed the law the last time. So uh, in terms of Philadelphia, are there specific, uh, I don't know, labor laws I know they can't override the state, but are they are there laws here, labor laws in the city that are more favorable uh, than there are in other parts of the state? Well, yeah, like every city contractor has to pay a certain wage. You have paid sick leave. Um, you have certain laws to ban the box, which means you can't ask somebody about their criminal arrest record. Um, I think they're going to they're going to probably try to hopefully pass a law where you can't ask people about their salary. Because that's how people stay in poverty. You know, you get your last salary. Um, right. And if you want to, if you want to move up, and especially if, in fact, I was listening to something on the radio today, especially affects uh, women and people of color. Because, and you know, in, in trying to get ahead, you know, you go to a job and how much you last time? 11, but we'll give you 12. Well, if you didn't have to say your salary, you might get 15 or 18. Um, so I think Philadelphia is about to, 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 uh, to um, change that, I would hope. Um, so is that going to be a proposal that Kenny's going to get behind or is it just something that's building and he'll end up uh, cheering for it? Do you think Kenny's going to try and push that? Who's this Kenny guy you're talking about? Uh, Jimmy, the fireman's son. What's he do? Is he from around here? I haven't heard from him in about a month. I think he's from South Philly. I think he's on from Two Street, but he doesn't live there anymore. It seems like he's disappeared. Um, in the last two months, I haven't heard anything, but yeah, I mean, I would hope Jim Kenny will get behind something like that. Jim Kenny was not behind paid sick leave, and I used to argue with him all the time. What, what was his reasoning about that? His reasoning was saying the city should not do what unions do, and I, you know, I don't know what his reason was, but that's what he said the city should not do it. if people want to get paid sick leave, they should join a union. Now, I have to tell you, nobody in the building trades gets paid sick leave, you don't work, you don't get paid. Uh, so, I mean, that doesn't affect us, but, um, you know, and, and we're not covered by paid sick leave anyway. People under collective bargaining agreements don't get it. You get prevailing wages though, right? Well, we are the prevailing wage. Yeah. Okay. We <laughs> set the prevailing wage. <laughs> you are the follows us. We don't follow it. And, and, uh, I, I presume that one of the things when there is, uh, friction between uh, ownership and, and workers, that's one of the things that is always a sticking point? Well, money in our pocket is not money in their pocket and vice versa. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, 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 a, whole, it's a whole fight over how the pie is cut and how to make the pie bigger. 
and they don't want it. You know, I mean, if I owned a company, I wouldn't want to pay higher wages. And if, you know, if I'm a union guy, I want the high wages I could get. That's always a fight between labor and management. And I, I guess we're, we're talking about contracts a little bit, but let, let me pose this. Uh, where are we with, I mean, I'm, I'm a former city employee and I got a great medical plan, but where are, are the unions with whether they want more from Obamacare or they want Medicare for all? Well, I think that a lot, like myself, I have a great medical plan. But I got to think that Medicare for all would be great because we could take that money and, and cut the insurance companies out and put more money in everybody's pocket. Um, as I say, you know, when people say, well, you know, we, uh, if you get Medicare for all, you'll have to be in line for a test. But uh, last time I looked, I don't see anybody rushing out for that colonoscopy. They're putting that off as long as possible. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know? I don't say, I, I'll wait another week. Relax. I'm fine. You know, don't be rushing. Um, um, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that, that one of the problems we have, and I negotiate a lot of contracts is medical, medical coverage, because I'll go into a contract and say, I need a buck and a quarter to pay for, you know, raising medical coverage. And I, I fight and fight and get a buck and a quarter. Oh yeah. Now I need a buck more for wages. And the contractor says, what are you nuts? I just gave you a buck and a quarter. And I go, well, but, and then the guy say, well, I got you more. I got your medical care kept up. Yeah, but we're not getting ahead. How can I get ahead if I don't get a good raise every year? And 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 when I first started working for the union 15 years ago, medical co- medical bill, medical care was one out of every 11 dollars in the in in the in the of the economy. Now it's one out of six, and that's in 15 years. I mean, that just, people can't buy houses. People can't buy equipment. You know, companies can't buy equipment. They can't invest in R and D. They can't do a lot of things that, you know, they can't give higher wages and competitive wages. It's just, it's just, a, the, it's just sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah, employers can't hire more people because every time they hire somebody, it's if they cover with health insurance, it's a $20,000 hit on, on their, their books. Right. And the other thing is they make people work all this overtime because the overtime laws are really, you know, proposed during the Depression to make it expensive to not hire people. Well, now... Because of the cost of medical, it's cheaper to make people work 60 hours a week than hire the second person. You make two guys work 60 instead of three guys work 40. You know, and so, so you're losing a lot of people who aren't getting jobs. They could be getting jobs because of this. But this, this whole conversation is not unique to Philadelphia. This is nationwide. Huh. Yeah. So, and, and since it's not unique to Philadelphia, are there any uh, turns or twists in Philadelphia that make it harder or easier to, to uh, get things in a situation where people, there's more people working and there's more benefits or that's just the way it is? Well, this is what my, my idea was and, 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 and when I was running for state rep, is you take all the district council 47, or you don't even take them. You take all, all the police, all the city unions, all the non-union people. You go to the University of Pennsylvania. You go to Temple. You go to all the big employers in the city of Philadelphia. And you say, we're going to start a medical plan. And we're going to run this medical plan for everybody. And Blue Cross, you're out. Now we control the cost of health care. And we will do it ourselves. And we will let any small business in the city join this 
or any business or any individual in the city, join this health plan. If, if all of, all of this, the big employers in the city of Philadelphia got together and got into one health plan, they could, they could turn the tables on health care in this city and then let people like, you know, you know, people's emergency center join that health plan and, and, uh, you know, uh, Harry stop and shop. And so everybody could get health care, you know, and we can make it cheaper. And instead of being dictated to by insurance companies, insurance company, we could dictate to the cost of health care and lower it down by cutting out the, the high cost of insurance. Well, Joe, do you have anything? Or are we going to let Lou out of, out of house arrest? This may be the most serious conversation we've had on this podcast. Sorry. And I'm not that serious a guy. I know that. <laughs> I've known that for 50 years. Right. Hey, by no, the way, uh, never mind. I'll wait till we're off air. Okay. So why don't we sign us out then there, Chief? All right. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Joe. <laughs>